I'm not afraid to follow. I see the world your way, and I'm not ashamed to say so. I see the Jesus way, and I'm walking in the church family last Sunday was amazing. Just having a time to celebrate Jesus and what he did in our church, seeing 36 men, women, and children get baptized and publicly declare their faith in Jesus. It does not get any better than that. Can we praise God for that? So, so grateful. And can I say to you, the, the administrative team that the Lord has graciously given to our church is amazing. Uh, Tammy Archer, Jody Burbank, uh, Wendy Sipes, I could go on and on with all the different uh, women who serve in our office who make events like that possible. And so if you get a chance to see them, just thank them because the Lord has graciously given us a great team to take care of our church. You know, the Cantle Viper is one of my greatest nightmares. This venomous snake of Central America has a tail that looks like a worm, and it sticks up out of the ground, and it's a way of drawing animals in. And as soon as an animal draws near and being curious by this little sight that they see, the snake pops up, grabs hold of the animal, and it's over. All it takes is just a little temptation, a little curiosity, and the serpent has it. Well, you have an enemy. There is an ancient serpent who tempts you so that he might take you down. And one of the most common temptations that he puts before us is sex outside of God's design. And as Solomon the father is warning his son in the book of Proverbs, we hear the voice of God our father warning us of the danger of sex outside of marriage. Let me show you. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 5. 
We're walking through the book of Proverbs together as a faith family in the sermon series called Walk in Wisdom. So far, we have studied different themes from the text, such as wisdom, parenting, truth-telling, work ethic, and money. Well, starting today, and Lord willing, uh, we're going to take two Sundays, and we're going to be studying the theme of sex from the book of Proverbs. Now, these messages are not just for those who are married. This is for everyone who's married or unmarried. If you're widowed or divorced, or if you've been single your entire life, grab hold of this. Singles glorify God by pursuing purity in your heart, in your bedroom, and on your web browser. You see, the gospel provides perfect purity for those who believe upon Jesus, and the gospel also empowers us to pursue purity throughout all of our lives. And when you walk in the victory of Jesus, you declare that Jesus is indeed better than sex. Well, this week, we're going to see how God calls us away from sex outside of marriage and then next week, we're going to see how God calls us to, marriage, uh, to sex inside of marriage. So this morning, I want us this morning, as we look at the text, heed the word, of, the, the word of God here, where we hear God's warnings. I want you to see first, God's warning is to listen up or regret it. Listen up or regret it. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 5, verse 7. Solomon says, so now, sons, listen to me, and don't turn away from the words from my mouth. Like a loving parent warning their child of staying away from a hot stove or playing in traffic, you can hear the voice of the father warning sons to stay away from the forbidden woman. You see, throughout these three chapters, the father is telling his son, stay away from the forbidden woman, chapter five. Stay away from the prostitute, chapter six. Stay away from the cheating wife, chapter seven. The father is warning his child against the temptation of the forbidden woman and the danger of adultery. You see, God loves you. And he loves you so much that he puts guardrails around sex because he knows how powerful and good that it is. And as your loving father, he wants what is best for his children. Therefore, he gives the seventh commandment, do not commit adultery because he knows that adultery hurts us. Look at Proverbs 6 verse 32. It says, the one who commits adultery lacks sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. We see it not only hurts us, but as we study these, the whole scripture, the whole counsel of God, as we even look at King David, the father of Solomon, we see where adultery hurts other people. Now, ultimately, adultery robs God of glory. So for our good and for his glory, God puts guardrails around sex to protect us. You see, the Bible is crystal clear. Sex is designed by God to be exclusively between a husband and wife for life. Any and all sex outside of the covenant of marriage is sin. And God wants to protect us from sin. And so in Proverbs 5 through 7, God is warning his children of the danger of sex outside of marriage. God is saying, look at chapter 5, verse 7. He says, listen up or you will regret it. If you don't listen to the Lord, there are consequences to your foolishness. 
And then throughout the next section in chapter 5, he gives us the consequences for sex outside of marriage. Some of those consequences include forfeiting your character. Verse 9. Otherwise, you will give up your vitality to others and your years to someone cruel. We see another consequence is losing money. Verse 10, strangers will drain your resources and your hard-earned pay will end up in a foreigner's house. And then at the very end of your life, you're going to experience deep regret. Verse 11, at the end of your life, you will lament when your physical body has been consumed and you will say, how I hated discipline. And how my heart despised correction. And then you're going to regret that you didn't listen to wise counsel. Verse 13, I didn't obey my teachers or listen closely to my instructors. I'm on the verge of complete ruin before the community. Heed the warning of God in the text. Listen up or you will regret it. But secondly, God's warning to us in the text is to avoid the promiscuous Avoid the promiscuous. In chapter 5, verse 8, Solomon says, Keep your way far from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Solomon is speaking with urgency in his voice. Stay away from the sexually promiscuous woman. Stay away from that sexually promiscuous man. Stay away from them. Don't go near the flirtatious woman in the office. Don't go near the attractive man who speaks enticing words to you. Don't go near the door of your house. You are playing with fire. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 27, can a man embrace fire and his clothes not be burnt? Can a man walk on burning coals without scorching his feet? So it is with the one who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. In Genesis 39, we see Joseph, who is now raised up in the ranks of serving in the household of an Egyptian leader. And in Genesis 39, we see him as a man who is attractive, he is wise, he is excellent at what he does, and the Lord is with him. And so as he is now the boss over all of Potiphar's house, he has a position of prominence in leadership. But then Potiphar's wife wants the opportunity to sleep with him. So when the house is empty one day, she grabs him by the clothes and says, sleep with me. And the scripture says, day by day, she enticed him over and over and over. Come have sex with me. Finally, when the day comes where there's no one there, she grabs him by the shirt and says, lie with me. And the scripture says that he ran out of the house, leaving his shirt in her hands. He violently got out of there. He ran. He fled. In fact, Genesis 39, 9, he says, how can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? This is a man who was passionate about holiness, and he didn't want to get caught into a temptation in which he had the opportunity for free sex. He wanted to protect his integrity. He wanted to protect the glory in the name of the Lord. And so he leaves. You see, this is the type of response that God calls upon from his people. We are to run away from the sexually promiscuous. When you are tempted to sin, run away. Get out of there. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee sexual immorality. 
Get out of your office. Go for a run. When the porn site shows up on your phone or your laptop, you turn off your phone. You shut your laptop. You get out of the house. This is the call to be sexually pure. It's a call to run away from this. Run away like a buck in hunting season. I read a story recently of a woman who had a pet snake, a python, that she loved, which I thought was weird. But she let the snake sleep in the bed with her. Well, over time, the snake stopped eating. And it began to lay on the bed lengthwise, stretching itself out as far as it could reach. Well, after becoming concerned for her pet snake, she took it to the veterinarian and said, he's not eating and he's stretching himself out. What do I do? And the vet said, you need to get rid of this snake as fast as possible. The lady was heartbroken. She said, why? She said, he stopped eating. He's stretching out his stomach. He's preparing to eat you. When you treat sin like a pet to play with, it will take you down. It is essential that when we are enticed and we are tempted sexually, we get as far away from it as possible. You see, if you don't see the big deal about flirting with someone other than your spouse, if you turn your head when an attractive woman walks by, if you go click and play around on those pornographic websites, if you allow your heart to start loving someone other than your spouse, you're caught. It's a snag. It's a trap. Indeed, you are going for the worm that is indeed the tail of a venomous snake. And here we see Solomon calling his sons away from that temptation. Look at Proverbs chapter 7, verse 24. He says, now sons, listen to me. Pay attention to the words from my mouth. Don't let your heart turn aside to her ways. Don't stray onto her paths. So Kenneth, is there a way to prevent yourself from ever committing adultery? Is it possible? And the answer is yes. And here it is. The guaranteed way to prevent adultery never be alone with someone of the opposite gender. Now, this is a rule that we have as pastoral staff. Men are never to be alone with another woman for any reason other than your wife. Not in the car, not out to eat on, at a restaurant. In counseling sessions, we have windows and doors, doors open, and there is someone present in the building who knows that you're about to meet. See, this not only protects you, it protects your marriage. It protects your family. It protects the church. This is God's good grace to protect you from ever falling into sin. And boy, somebody said, well, Kenneth, you sound like a Pharisee. You sound awfully like someone who's a a scribe. I'm gonna say, no, I'm passionate for holiness. I wanna protect the integrity of my life and my marriage and my family and of this church. And that should be true for you as well. That there is no way anybody can lob an accusation at you because you're above reproach. 
You're living a godly life, and so you're protecting yourself in this way. Paul writes in Ephesians 5.3, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. In Hebrews 13.4, the writer of Hebrews says, marriage is to be honored by all and the marriage bed kept undefiled because God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. So wisdom says, keep your way far from the forbidden woman. Don't go near her house. Don't go near her door. Her door. Avoid the promiscuous. But then notice throughout chapters five through seven, we see four ways that the forbidden woman seduces and baits the young man. And the Lord is warning us to watch out for seductive, first, appeals. Seductive appeals. Chapter five, verse three. It says, though the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey and her words are smoother than oil, in the end, she's as bitter as wormwood and as sharp as a double-edged sword. You see, the temptress used her words here to draw this young man in. And her words, they taste good. They are sweeter than the drip of honey. Her words, they feel good. They're smoother than oil. But in the end, she's as bitter as wormwood. She's as deadly as a two-edged sword. Be on guard against flattery. So women, this sounds like another man telling you how attractive you are. Your dress is so pretty. Your shoes are so cute. You do so much. You deserve a break. Does nobody appreciate you? You see, he gives you emotional appeal through his words. Men, this flattery sounds like you are so smart. You are so strong. Boy, you are so funny. I respect you. See, when she speaks, you feel respected. You, you feel strong. You feel desirable. But the temptress in chapter 7, it sounds like this. Verse 18, she says, come, let's drink deeply of lovemaking until morning. Let's feast on each other's love. My husband isn't home. He went on a long journey. He took a bag of silver with him and will come home at the time of the full moon. So she should, she, here she is, she's seducing him with her persistent pleadings. She lures him in with this flattering talk. Verse 22, he follows her impulsively like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer bounding toward a trap until an arrow pierces its liver, like a bird darting into a snare. He does not know it will cost him his life. And in the very end, she takes him down, verse 26. For she has brought many down to death. Her victims are countless. Her house is the road to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. Flirtatious talk is not meaningless. When someone is speaking seductive appeals to your emotions, there should be warning signs going off inside of your heart and your mind. The sirens should be blaring, flags should be going up, this is wrong, it's out of bounds. So when someone starts of the opposite gender, starts speaking words into you that you're like, ooh, that feels good. Yeah, I am awesome. I think you're right. No one respects me. You are in trouble. So you watch out for 
the seductive appeals, but also, um, number two, watch out for seductive appearances. Seductive appearances. Look at verse 25 of chapter six. Solomon says, do not lust in your heart for her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyelashes. Solomon is admonishing his son, don't lust after her in your heart. When you look upon a man, when you look upon a woman and and their appearance, lust is not an option. For if you do, you have already committed adultery in your heart. Jesus tells us this in Matthew chapter five. He says, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Here we see Jesus, he's raising the bar of sexual morality and he's teaching that adultery is not just about the flesh, it's about the heart. Notice in chapter six, verse 25, he says, do not lust in your heart for her beauty. Chapter seven, verse 25, don't let your heart turn aside to her ways. So how do we prevent ourselves, prevent our hearts from lusting after the beauty of another woman or of another man? Well, Solomon teaches us in Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. He says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. You and I, we protect ourselves from any and all sin that wants to creep into our hearts. We have to guard our hearts. Hear me today, life and death are at stake. You must protect, you must guard your hearts. In Matthew 15, verse 19, Jesus says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. You see, for what you say and what you do, it comes from your heart. When someone is dressed a certain way, they're trying to reveal things that they don't need to be revealing. They're trying to lure you in. Be on guard. Watch out for seductive appearances. But also watch out for seductive actions. Look at chapter 7, verse 13. She grabs him and kisses him. This forbidden woman is not only wayward with her appeals and her appearance, but also with her actions. She's acting upon her seductive impulses. Verse 13. She's embracing another man and she's kissing him. This was similar to Joseph and Potiphar's wife where she grabs him by the shirt and says, come sleep with me. You see, in this world today, in our culture, it may look like just the grazing of hands, a frontal hug that lingers for too long, massaging someone's shoulders. Don't look now, you're on a slippery slope towards a cliff. It may look like kissing, And then away you go, run away, flee. Don't go near that situation. Watch out for seductive actions. Fourthly, watch out for seductive aromas, aromas. Chapter seven, verse 17, this forbidden woman says, I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. 
This woman is using sweet and sensual smells to lure this man in. She is enticing him with fragrances and perfumes to draw him into sexual immorality. And the warning we must heed from this text is to watch out for the ways of seductive men and seductive women who seek to woo us away from the pure life of Christ. You see, seductive appeals and appearances and actions and aromas, these are the on-ramp for sexual sin. Okay, so how do we defeat sexual temptation? How do we win this battle? Thankfully, God has not left us without guidance. In his word, he gives us many ways of fighting. I wanna give you six. Six keys to defeating sexual temptation. The first is this, believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. Jude chapter, um, Jude uh, verses 24 and 25 says, now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our father, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and honor and power and dominion both now and forever. Amen. You see the Believing the gospel is what empowers you to say no to temptation because he's able to present you before the presence of his glory with great joy. You see, Jesus through his gospel is able to empower you to say no to temptation. You have the ability in Christ to say no to sin. And he is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. If you don't know Jesus today, you are a slave to sin. You cannot win this battle. You can't. This is why you need Jesus. Secondly, pray for victory. Pray for victory. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, pray like this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You fight with prayer. You pray for yourself. You pray for wisdom and courage that the word of Christ would dwell in you richly. You pray for your spouse daily that God would give them victory over temptation. You pray for your children and for their spouses that they would walk in the holiness of Christ. Thirdly, you quote scripture. You quote scripture. In Matthew 4, when Jesus is being tempted by Satan, every single time he quotes scripture. He says, it is written, it is written, it is written. He fights back the enemy with the word of God. Fourthly, think biblically. You think biblically. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, Paul says, I take every thought captive and I make it obedient to Christ. So as soon as that lustful thought comes into your mind, you take that thought captive and you make it obedient to Christ. You you say, I'm not gonna dwell on this. I'm gonna forget this. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live the life I now live. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I'm now gonna think biblically. So this thought that's come into my mind, I'm not pursuing that. I'm gonna put on the full armor of God and allow the word of Christ to dwell in me richly and I'm gonna have victory over this temptation. Number five, bounce your eyes. Bounce your eyes. Y'all, there are pornographic images everywhere in our culture. You can't watch a TV show. You can't drive past a billboard. You can't check out of a grocery line without there being some woman or some man wearing less clothes than they should. And so the mindset of the man is to be continually bouncing your eyes away from what is seeking to lure you in. 
This is going to sound ridiculous, but when I was a bank teller in 2005 in Lexington, I was trying to make ends meet going to seminary, newlywed to Christy. We're trying to make ends meet. So I got this job as a bank teller. And for whatever reason, women would come into the bank wearing only a bikini. It was ridiculous. And so while I'm trying to help them with their transaction, I'm literally doing this. I'm looking everywhere else. Okay, I'm trying to discipline my eyes. Job 31.1, I've made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look lustfully at a woman. It takes intentional fighting. You wage war and say, I will not do this. So you bounce your eyes away, which by the way, can I say to you, women, the clothes that you wear are not just physical, they have spiritual implications. If you're revealing things that you don't want anyone to see or to touch, then you should be dressing appropriately. In fact, in 1 Timothy, uh, Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.9, women are to dress themselves in modest clothing with decency and good sense. So for all of us, you bounce your eyes. When the temptation is there, you don't look, you go somewhere else. And you you keep fighting. I know this is going to sound silly, but for men, this is what I do. Uh, If I'm driving through the neighborhood and someone's wearing something inappropriate or if there's something on the billboard, I look away. And in my mind, I chalk it up to a win. And what happens is the more more you get into the habit of looking away, it's amazing. You start collecting wins. You go on a winning streak. And you know what happens? Over time, the temptation is not as strong as it used to be. Because you're fighting valiantly. And the Lord gives you grace and strength. So you bounce your eyes, but you got to fight for it. Sixth and finally, I want you to see that we invite accountability. We invite accountability. You have people in your life who are saying, hey, let me see your phone. Give it to me. Hey, let me see your bank account. Let me see it. Well, how are we doing here? On all of my devices, I have uh, software that protects me. And my wife and another brother pastor, every week, they get a list of every website that I look at. Now, by God's grace, I give them nothing to have to worry about. But I want my wife to know she has complete access to my phone. She has all of my passwords. I've got nothing to hide from her. I want her to know that she has complete access to every part of my life. I invite accountability. I want others to know I'm seeking to live above reproach. I've got nothing to hide. You see, there are gonna come times in which you are going to creep into sin. And when you do, you confess it to the Lord and you confess it to those with whom you are being held accountable to. You see, one of the lies that the enemy whispers into our ears is that we are the only ones struggling with this sin. You're the only one. That's a lie from the pit of hell. But not only are you not the only one who's struggling with that, you experience freedom when you speak it out. And you bring it to others and say, hey, listen, I need you to know where I've been, what I've done. I need help. I need grace. I need strength. I need forgiveness. Pray for me. And there's freedom in that. But you know what's heartbreaking? Solomon didn't keep his own advice. Solomon broke God's law by marrying foreign women and they turned his heart away from the Lord. First Kings 11.3 says that he had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines and they turned his heart away. 
You see, these women turned his heart away from following the Lord. You see, any and all sex outside of marriage, it not only has physical and emotional and relational consequences, there are spiritual consequences. You see, Solomon was not the true king that we need. You see, Jesus is the greater King Solomon who was tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. Jesus went to the cross and he died for all of our sexual sin. He took all of our shame of our past, all of the things in our past that we don't want anybody to know, he knows and he still loves you and he still gladly publicly died for you. He was shamed so that you no longer have to be in him. You see, the gospel provides forgiveness to our sexual brokenness and the power to march forward in victory. The gospel says that all of us are sexually broken. All of us are in desperate need of grace. But Jesus took our shame at the cross so that you and I can march forth in victory that he has provided for us. In John chapter eight, a woman who was caught in adultery was brought to Jesus and the Pharisees wanted to stone her to death. And Jesus says these words, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And starting with the oldest, one by one, they all walked away. And then it was Jesus and this adulterous woman. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, they're no longer here, Lord. And he, he this, is, this is so good. Moving forward, this is what he says. I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. How is that possible? Because Jesus would take her condemnation at the cross. She would be set free. He's saying, I love you. You're no longer under condemnation because of your sin, because of what I'm going to do for you. And I'm calling you to live a life of freedom and repentance. Go and sin no more. Don't pursue this path anymore. You're now a follower of Jesus and I want you to come after me. That's true for all of us. No matter what you've done, Jesus gladly went to the cross and he took your shame. He took your sexual sin and it was nailed upon him, upon the cross, so that now you are no longer under condemnation. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Walk in the victory of Jesus. Is there any hope for those who are sexually broken like me? And the answer is yes. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a savior. That's what Jesus has done for you. So whatever you're carrying this morning, whatever shame you're bringing in here, I want you to know that you have a victorious, risen Savior who bled and died for you. And he allows you the freedom and the joy to march forth in victory. You know, every day, the ancient serpent, he wiggles out a temptation for you and a temptation for me. And when you see that temptation, run. Run away and run to Jesus. Run to the one that through his death and through his resurrection, he crushes the head of the serpent. There is victory in Jesus for those who turn from their sin and trust 
in him.